We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Jess, we're on a little bit of a time crunch tonight. Are you ready for rapid fire? I am a thousand percent ready for rapid fire. (laughs) Sounds like either Henry or Scooby is ready for rapid fire. I heard a a yes, I think, in the background. Over under 1,200 rushing yards for Audric Estime by the end of the regular season. This does not include a potential bowl game. So good old Audric Estime, right? He's at 787 rushing yards. He's at just about 100 per game. Uh, he's got four games left. If he averaged what he's doing on the season, he should land right around 1,200. Um, I think Notre Dame has gone through some of its, you know, not gauntlet of defenses, but they've faced some of their toughest, tougher defenses. Um, and I think that he's going to have big games kind of with the remaining of the schedule. Uh, and I won't give too much of, you know, a little bit of pit preview that I got. Um, but I think that he's he is – this game is going to be run heavy, and I think that's going to bore a lot of people out. But I think Notre Dame and Pitt are going to both run the ball a ton. Um, and so I hope Notre Dame gets creative in their running sets. But I think Audrey Esme is going to have a big game, and he's going to continue to be, you know, at 100 yards or better like he has all season. Is this Sean? Is that how you say that? C-I-A-N Angelo? I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce that. But he says, Audrey needs 200 yards of games. He deserves – the carry Joe says under because Clemson will keep him from 1200. That is a, a good point. Mr. 2.0 says they don't need to get him that many. So it'll be under. I think that I'm hedging under as well, because in November, even though you're absolutely right, he is averaging about a hundred yards a game for the season. Now the majority of that came early in the season. You know, this late part of the schedule is going to kind of, with the exception of the Clemson game and to maybe a little bit of extent this weekend against Pittsburgh, he's going to have some opportunities to get it. But are we going to see more of a Julian Love? Are we going to see more of a Jadarian Price? Like this is the time of year where you kind of maybe give some tired legs some rest, even though you have two bye weeks built in. So I'm really kind of going back and forth, but I still really think it's going to be a little bit under. I like the 1,100-yard range but I don't think I'm going to go over 1,200. Again, this is for just the regular season because obviously we don't even know what happens, you know, in terms of his 
NFL prospects and all that stuff if he would play in a bowl game. But this is just the regular season, 1,200 yards. So I'm going to go under, but you're going over on it, right? Yeah, I am okay. going to go over. Okay. He is right now uh, okay. the the 11th best running back in the nation. Yep, and he was leading the nation there at the beginning of the season. Yeah, he's only got – well, to me, I think he's about top five because he's got only – five power five running backs ahead of them. You know, I don't really count the Liberty running back or like the Troy running back or, yeah. you know, guys like that. I think in terms of power five running backs to me, he's, he's probably top one or top two, but statistically he's about the five or six range right now. And his, his touchdowns actually are, are really up there. He's like third or fourth over in, in total touchdowns right now. Yep. Notre Dame's a 20 and a half point favorite against Pitt this weekend. How comfortable are you? in that line for the Irish? Uh, I will be at the game and I am very uncomfortable with the line and my experience that's going to happen this weekend. Um, just because again, I think it's going to be a possession control type of game with lots of running. And I think uh, Narduzzi is going to rely on his defense, right? Because you look at Pitt's offense, they are like, they're horrible in, in a lot of offensive categories, but uh, Pitt has the 26th overall team defense. They have the, the 45th overall uh, run defense and the, a top 25 um, passing defense. So we're going to see two top 25 defenses go against each other this weekend, right? And and, and if Pitt's secondary, Pitt secondary is loaded with probably their best athletes on defense overall, their best players. So I think what Pitt does is they dare Notre Dame to, to throw the ball, right? And I think that they're going to load up the box a little bit um, but I, I really don't feel comfortable with a three a three score um, spread in this game. I just think with how much there's going to be ball control and a lot of running, I just don't see Notre Dame getting out ahead. And um, it's just not in Pitt's uh, favor to let the game get out of hand. They have to keep it close. The only way that the spread happens is if it gets ugly early and the game starts – Pitt has to start airing it out a little bit. Yeah, and Pitt wants to make you play ugly early. You know, like the last time – these two teams played, what, three years ago. It did get a little bit ugly. Remember, that was the uh, Ben Skoranek game when he had the long touchdown and all that kind of stuff. But the last time Pitt was here at Notre Dame Stadium, they made Notre Dame look really early. How'd they uh, – ugly early. How did they do that? They took away that intermediate passing game that, that Ian Book was basically in love with. And right now, that's what Sam Hartman is. The only way this game – covers that 20 and a half and Notre Dame really rolls on Saturday is if Sam Hartman and those outside receivers, I think, get things going with the vertical passing game. I think that that's what it's going to come down to. There are going to be some chances because they're ranked 95th in, in team pass efficiency defense. There are going to be some chances for Sam Hartman to, I think to, Notre to make Dame's... these guys pay downfield. It's a matter of if, if, if he's able to throw it, those guys are able to go get the ball for it. So I think what the ideal formation would be this this week for Notre Dame, and I, I apologize because it's just been a busy week and I didn't get to get into some of the whiteboard fun okay. uh, that I usually get into on Thursday. But ideally, to me, like if you knowing what Pitt's defense is, you know, in the passing game and the run game, and you're talking, how do you get shots downfield? Get your fastest guys on the field, and that's Faison and and Tyree again on the field together with a combination of Great House and Flores. And then I would I would love to see Faison and Tyree on the field together at the same time as Audric Estime and Jeremiah Lowe, because I think you can be dynamic in the run game. You can also be dynamic in the pass game, and it keeps Pitt's defense honest because you have two running backs on the field, but you also have two of your faster speed guys 
who can clear out the, you know, get things going deep. And then if you need to fall back on it, you can hit your Mitchell Evans, your Jaden Greathouses more over the middle on some deep drag routes or over routes. This is the third time they've been a double digit favorite this season. Navy in the first game, they were 20 and a half. They covered that central Michigan, 35 point favorites at home. They didn't come close to covering that they're six and two against the spread this season. And their games have also gone under three of the last four games. So I, I don't like 20 and a half at all, unless, you know, some of the stuff that we just talked about right there happens, but they've still got to prove that they can do that because that's not the team that they have been for the last month and a half, basically. So I am not comfortable in the 20 and a half at all. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this is Notre Dame men's basketball coach Micah Shrewsbury talking about coaching his son Braden for the first time this season. Ever coached him before. I, I think for me, like, he gets treated the same as everybody else. He probably gets treated worse than everybody else. <laughs> I would, you know, probably. Like, if you know me, you guys will get to know me. I got a very short fuse. You know, the fuse goes off a little bit quicker on him than others. He's pretty stone-faced. He doesn't let stuff rattle him, uh, so it doesn't really bother him a whole lot. I guess on the flip side of that is everybody else on the team knows that, like, there are there's no favoritism, right, because he's probably getting it worse than anybody else is. So he's earning his way, and, and that, you know, it's a, it's a process every single day with us, but uh, it's fun. Like, he, he's just like me. He loves basketball. So, Jesse, I was sitting there at media day when Shrewsbury was talking about this last week. <laughs> My question to you, does any of that sound familiar? Yeah, that sounds very familiar. And <laughs> well, the thing is, is like most people think just because you might be a coach's son that you might get the breaks or you might get the advantages. But at the end of the day, you're held to the highest standard and you're held to the highest expectations. And you you ultimately get it worse from everyone because of just how it is. You know, that's 
just the way it goes. Um, and, and I think it's it's nothing it's nothing bad at the end of the day. And that's the thing, Braden can't, and I know he doesn't take it personally. It's just how the coaching goes. But I, I again, I just think that sometimes you people fall in love with the narrative of oh, it's the coach's son, or you know they're reaping the benefits, or they're not working hard. It's it's quite the opposite. They're, they're some of the hardest right. workers in the room, and it's just they're held to higher expectations because of you know the, the, what the coaches expect out of them. And they know that their leadership role, what their leadership role can be. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. I, and, I, and I know it's not fun all the time, but uh, hopefully things work out in the long run. And I'm sure it will for these guys as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing that this year and, and really for the next four years. What, what, uh, what comes of Micah Shrewsbury and Braden Shrewsbury and this whole crew that they've got over there as Jesse <laughs> flips through the different colors. I'm like washed out life. right now, so I'm going to go dark mode. Salty's a little upset. He says, you mean to tell me I've been waiting all this time for whiteboard and I get nothing? Yeah, sorry. You know, can't have it all every week. We didn't, we didn't promise any whiteboard at the top of this show. So, should James Franklin be on the hot seat after falling to 1-9 and nine in his career against Ohio State? Absolutely. James Franklin, I don't think, gets enough heat. Uh, and and really? I... Yeah, he's one and nine against Ohio State. He's three and six against Michigan. He's twelve and twenty-four versus the top twenty-five, and he's three and sixteen versus the top ten. You don't get paid to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. You have to go out there and win some of those big ones every now and then. And I don't, I don't, I don't need James Franklin to have you know this astounding record against Ohio State, Michigan, top twenty-five, top ten, but at least be floating around five hundred. You know what I mean? Maybe a game or two under or above. But I mean, he's just he's just putrid against top level teams. And so I just it's the same thing every year. So Penn State's comfortable with being in that 910 range every year and not contending with Ohio State and Michigan maybe once every decade. OK, that's fine. But I think with how much talent they have, um, I, I, I do think he's underachieving. And I think he he's that defense is loaded. That defense is absolutely loaded. Right. And the thing about James Franklin, it's just the same thing every year. It's it's really good defenses. It's solid offense, and they lack a dynamic quarterback. That's all it is. every year. They lack a dynamic quarterback who can go out there and change the game. And that's the difference between Ohio State and Michigan. Is their their guys are gamers. They take over play games and can be game changers. No, Penn State just doesn't have anyone like that. I don't know if that's a coaching thing. If that's just who they're recruiting overall. But it's the same thing every year. He definitely has not won the big games to this point. I'm willing to say I'm willing to kind of give him like from my own personal judgment three years into the expanded college football playoff because it's it's basically you know it's like the old time this was before you were born but before Bobby Bowden finally won a national championship he's you know used to joke that they would put on his headstone he had to play Miami you know and and Penn State's got to play Ohio State every year they've got to play Michigan every year. I think there's a reason that Penn State's been in the Big Ten for three decades, and they said, eh, you know, we're fine. We don't need any, uh, you know, we don't have any rivalries that we want to protect when they did that whole scheduling thing for the future. Like, we're, we're, we're fine. We'll just play whatever you guys throw at us, you know. We don't necessarily have to play Ohio State and Michigan every year going forward. So, they did a – I saw something within the last couple of weeks – Penn State, they went back over the last few years. If there had been a 12-team playoff in effect in recent years, 
Penn State would have actually been, you know, like the like of the of the schools other than your Georgias and Alabamas and Ohio States and Clemsons, it, they would have been the team that got the most at-large bids for a 12-team playoff. So I think if they do just what they're doing right now, they've got a really strong chance to at least be in a 12-team playoff in the future, and that's going to be good for them. Now, the question then becomes, do you win any of those games? Or right. do you just keep losing <laughs> to ranked teams? But at least for now, till the playoff gets expanded and see what they do, I don't necessarily think hot seat is where Franklin needs to be. Brady Quinn said recently on Big Nude Kickoff on Fox that Deion Sanders might be better off if Colorado doesn't make a bowl game this season because it would allow him to be out recruiting while the other coaches are preparing for their own bowl games. Do you buy or sell that? So I buy the concept, but I don't buy it overall because I don't think any I, and the thing I don't think Brady Quinn is advocating that they lose games or that they don't make no, a bowl game. It was not that at all. Was right. That and at so all. like that's that I'm buying his concept of it would be beneficial still if they didn't. But to me, it's a win-win situation. You if you win, if you win enough and you make a bowl game, it's a win for the program, right? Because they went from last year of one win to now bowl eligible. Uh, everyone's back on, you know, that Colorado has all the national hype and everything around it. Right. And so it's even more appealing to recruits regardless. Um, and, and, and why I say it's a win-win is because even if you don't make the poll, the bowl game, then yeah, you get a head start on recruiting and Dion gets that opportunity, um, at the end of the day to go out there and get a head start on some of this recruiting. But to me, how much of a head start does he really need? He's Dion Sanders, right? Like everyone knows who he is. They know, you know, if, if he wants him to come play, he's going to be aggressive about it. So, I, again, I, I don't think it's – I like the idea of it, um, and it's just a win-win for me no matter what. Like, it, it, I think it no matter what, Colorado is in a good place regardless of what happens, if they make bowl eligibility or not. And the reason this came up, they're sitting there at four and three, and so they need to win a couple more games to become bowl eligible. And to win me that money. I'm at six wins for them. <laughs> and the uh, the schedule goes UCLA – this weekend, then Oregon State, then Arizona, then Washington State, then Utah. So you've got five remaining games to win two to become bowl eligible, and three of them are against ranked teams right now. The other's against a Washington State team that has been ranked but is not right now. So it's not going to be easy for him to get it. And he's obviously talking about, look, this is still a first-year head coach building his program, and for the future of his program, maybe he's – you know, they've already won this year just by winning four games. You know, they've, they, you know, they've what Quinn, what, what is that quad quadrupled? I guess if I can think of my, you know, this better than me, you're the math guy quadrupled their win total from a year ago. They've gone from one to four already. So like they've already won to that extent. So, I mean, I, I can see what he's saying, but at the same time, you obviously, I think you want to be, in a bowl game to say that you're in a bowl game, do you have the opportunity to compete in and win a bowl game, especially as a first year guy? I, I think that, I think that you're a little bit better off with that because he's already shown that he can go out and hit the transfer portal That's and bring I mean. guys in. If he How needs. much really of an edge is it? Yeah. That's the thing. I don't think, yeah, I don't think he gains that much more by, you know what, like grassroots organic recruiting. I think he'll be just fine doing what he does. They really screwed themselves by losing to Stanford because they could be at five wins right now and just need yep. one more. That Stanford game was brutal. Huge. Huge. Yep. 
to lose to lose it one and obviously to lose it the way they did. Ugh. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So Pat McAfee might not be back on ESPN's College Game Day next year. He has, in a real short amount of time, become a pretty polarizing guy. He says that he's not right for some crowds and the quote-unquote distinguished college football folks are definitely one of those. So my question to you, is McAfee a good fit for game day slash is his Pat McAfee show during the week a good fit at ESPN? I So this is personal belief. I think Pat McAfee is good for game day. Um but I don't think that he is well received overall at the end. of Like I think game day needed someone like Pat McAfee, a kind of breath of fresh air, right? Someone to bring something new to, to, to um, a program that people have many, many have complained about kind of the staleness, right? Over the last couple of years, I just don't think that he is received well uh, by some of those longstanding kind of game day fans um, or people. And that's exactly, I think what I'm trying to say, say right there is what Sammy said. I think he's good for football, but I just don't think his personality ultimately fits ESPN and the track record of people who have been with ESPN for a while now. He's a polarizing figure. And just like polarizing teams, the Dallas Cowboys, Notre Dame, Michigan, Alabama. Now, you know, the New York Yankees, the Los Angeles Lakers, Polarization is good for sports. You need a villain. You need a, You need someone who half the people are going to dislike and half the people are going to like because that turns into ratings. Because if you have that kind of person, even the people who dislike him will still watch just to say how stupid he is or how you know whatever, and you know take take shots at him. So I think that he is good. I think that, and I've said this before, his personality on his regular show during the week is different than his personality. You know, like what he, you know, he definitely pushes it. It's, it's like he, uh, he dials it up on college game day. And the fact that he's doing that, I think that he was asked to do that. And then like Brian NY says, the show needs him. Why are you sitting there in the dark? <laughs> By the way, like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> the show needs him. I think because they needed a breath of fresh air. They don't yes. have like Herb Street and Desmond Howard are not the big personalities. Like, like Corso 
a few years ago when he was still vintage Corso was a much different kind of personality, a bigger personality with, with, with more opinions. And they need that kind of guy. Yes. Now the show itself during the week, again, I don't think it's a bad show. It's a very different show because it's not your typical on TV talk show. I mean, the guy doesn't take commercial breaks. They take, it's a two hour show on ESPN. They take one break in the middle for a few minutes. Otherwise he's talking for an hour straight. It, you know, it, you know, he talks the entire first hour, he talks the entire second hour. So it's different. I think it's solid. You know, like I said, watched an interview with Nick Saban on there today. It's a solid show. So like my so. thing is, is his, his, I, I agree. I think his show is very solid, but it's like, if it leaves ESPN, what is the good fit? You know, like, is there actually a better fit or a good fit um, overall? And here's a hot take that I have uh, overall is, I think Desmond laughs with him slash enjoys him, right? I don't think he takes him 100% seriously, but I think right. he goes along with it a little bit more and he's, he, he enjoys it and he enjoys what Pat McAfee brings and, you know, just the overall kind of good vibes, everything that he brings. I think Herb Street doesn't like him, to be honest with you. I think Herb Street gets annoyed with Pat McAfee and I think he's a little bit. Well, I mean, bit, you talk about different personalities. Right. There. Exactly. Like, Kirk Herbstreet is the Derek Jeter of that cast uh, to me at the end of the day. And I don't think he hundred percent like, and Pat McAfee is the David Ortiz. Right. And so I just don't think at the end of the day, Herbstreet thinks that he brings enough seriousness to it. Right. Like this is college football at the end of the day. So, but it doesn't, it, it shouldn't have to be that serious because it is. It's game football. day. You're on a college That's campus. Right. You've got a guy having fun. You bring in a celebrity guest picker who was half painted the other, you know, against Washington. It's exactly. Like what, are you, like, what is this supposed to be? Exactly. It's. I think I think that that some people kind of take it a little bit too seriously, and I think that he's been a a good breath of fresh air for that program that really hadn't made a whole, hasn't made a whole lot of changes in recent years. They needed someone other than a guy who's going to sit there and break down film and, you know, do, do the, the standard things that all the other guys can do. They needed a different kind of personality on there. So I think that he has been good for both. Like, you know, again, it's a different kind of show than ESPN has had before, but in both cases, I think they're counting on him on bringing in a younger audience. And based on what I've seen so far, He's done that. Now, what that means is you're going to stir up some other people along the way. <laughs> and again, I think that that's nothing but a good thing if you're stirring some other people. That's the thing, though, is anything new is always going to stir people because they've never seen it before and they're uncomfortable by it. Right. We are going to wrap it up with that. We've got IB Countdown to kickoff coming up this weekend. Of course, we posted on YouTube Friday night and the podcast drops Saturday morning. It is Notre Dame. And Pittsburgh, Jesse is bringing himself in from Cleveland to the Pittsburgh game this weekend. So looking forward to uh, to seeing you here. Yeah, and, so if anyone in the chat's going to be at the IB tailgate, I know for sure I'll stop by um, at some point. And yeah, I've that's the thing. I've, I, I've worked for IB now for over a year, and I, I don't think I've ever made like a like an official like IB appearance. So kind of excited to do that. Meet some of the people you know that we that we that listen to us on an everyday basis. So excited to do that. All right. Good deal. Safe travels, and I will talk to you soon. Hit the like button on your way out. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. And we will talk to you later on Ivy Nation's podcast.